1: It's time for Grilling at the Green. Join Jeff Tracy as he explores a golfing lifestyle and tries to keep it in the short grass for the hackers, new sweepers, and turf
0: spankers. Here's Jeff.
1: Hey,
0: everybody, welcome to Grilling at the Green here on AM860, the answer in the Golf News Network. I'm JT, and this is the show where we talk to some very interesting people. People and their stories and the world of golf and that we all love that so much. Uh, We want to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef the way nature intended, and also Gunter Wilhelm Knives, unmatched quality and comfort and efficiency in the kitchen. And I can attest to that. So we're going to be talking with somebody today that's had a very interesting life in the world of golf. Uh, and he also is going to talk to us about your wedges of all things. And we never talk about wedges much on this show, but I thought it would be a good thing to do that. I want to welcome Terry Kaler. Um, Terry is, uh, a lot of things. I can say that. Well, in fact, let me, first of all, welcome him. Hey, Terry, how are you? Hi, I'm doing great. Thanks to, for the opportunity to be here. No problem. Um, right now, Terry is working. He's the chairman of the board with Edison wedges. But he's also worked with uh, other club companies. He was part of the resurrection of the Hogan um, manufacturing team because we're we're familiar with Hogan. They're part of this show sometimes. So let's just ask him, Harry, who are you?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm a lifelong golf junkie um, and fly fisherman and bird shooter, cook and entrepreneur. How's that?
0: That's good. That's just the kind of guy we want on the show.
1: So you- I um I was very blessed Jeff, to grow up in a on a little nine hole golf course in South Texas and it was really part of our life and my father was a great player and we had a great golf professional there in the fifties and sixties that mentored us kids and um, actually a lot of us in our sixties and even seventies now are still single digit players because of that great uh, opportunity that we had in a little town of seven thousand people. I I tell people I was. Raised in Mayberry by Ozzie and Harriet, your older <laughs> re- listeners will know what I mean by that. But, um, you know, fishing and golf and bird hunting and deer hunting were all part of our life and barbecuing in the backyard and uh, it was just a, it was a great life. And when I got out of college and uh, with a marketing degree, I started my own ad agency at 25. And one of the first sales calls I ever made was on the Ray Putter Company there in San Antonio. And, that launched me into a 40 year golf industry career that I have been just unbelievably blessed. And, uh, it's just, it's wonderful to be able to make your living and and explore your entrepreneurial, uh, traits, you know, in a, in something you love that much.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you. I would agree with you, Terry. I've, I've been doing this radio gig for quite a while and, uh, my first set of syndicated shows were all about the west and horses and cowboys and all that stuff which i grew up as and then we transferred over a few years ago into food and golf and so it's kind of come full circle and it's uh it's a great job if you can get it i'll just put it that way it's it's very good yeah
1: well i've kind of made my own i uh i have kind of made my own way in the industry of uh uh, only once in my life worked for another company, and that was for only about a year and a half. And um, you know, I've always been
0: an entrepreneur. Every time I ever worked for somebody for a company, it didn't last long. I'll just put it that way. It didn't last <laughs> Well, long. I think we entrepreneurs
1: are cut out of a different mold of cloth.
0: <laughs> yeah. that is that is true so tell us about the edison wedges what what possessed you to do it because i want to get to your story with the hogan company a little later in the show but right now i want to talk about your the edison wedges they're a little different than most and the one thing that struck me terry was when you put these things together when you designed them and you get you know you build them and all that they are made for the average golfer they are not made for the pros you want to explain that
1: well if you look at the wedge category and, 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 this is going to get a little long, but I'd like your listeners to really understand what, what I'm saying. So if I, I look at, I have a collection of golf clubs that I've collected over the years. And, you know, when I was a kid in the fifties and sixties, you played persimmon woods and forge blades. Cause that's all there was. Right. And um, the game was all about precision striking. Cause these clubs were not forgiving at all. And we, I didn't even own a sand wedge until I was 20 because I we pitched the ball with a pitching wedge back then because a pitching wedge had 50 or 52 degrees of loft. So you could pitch the ball with it. Nowadays, modern pitching wedges are 45 and even as low as 42 and a half degrees. They're eight irons by my old standard. And you, they don't have enough loft to truly pitch the ball, um, which came the advent of, of gap wedges. But when you look at the evolution of our golf equipment you know drivers have gone from in the last 50 years have gone from persimmon to the tailor-made metalwood that that launched the metalwood revolution to the first big bertha that started to oversize woods to multiple generations that took the big bertha and the and the metalwood from 230 cc's in volume to you know more than double that and Um, And 460 is the standard now, Adjustable hosels. We've seen irons go from simple cavity backs to complex cavity backs to multi-material cavity backs. We've seen the advent of hybrids. We've seen putters go from bullseyes (laughs) and 8802s to the ping answer, revolutionized that category. Now you have these big spaceship mallets. And then you come to our wedges. And the wedges in the, in the stores today, by and large, are practically identical to the wedges we had 50 years ago. They're a single piece of molded metal in most cases. The weight is all on the bottom. The top two-thirds are very thin. So why has that one category been totally not participated in this technological revolution that's changed everything from our balls to our tees to you know every club in our bag? Even our shoes. I mean, it's just crazy. So, you know, I, I look at why is that? And and the average golfer, I've done numerous personal interviews with golfers. I've read fifty thousand golfer wedge fitting profiles over the years. And golfers have the same problem. They say their wedge shots fly too high most of the time, their misses come up short, their spin is inconsistent, and their distance is very inconsistent. Well, the reason for that is the golf club itself does not lend itself to game improvement like every other club in your bag. So I'll take a breath there. You might have a few questions from that, but you know, why is this one category? So I've kind of been a nut for wedges for 30 years because that just struck me is really weird. How one category golf club can exle- escape technological revolution.
0: Well, it, it is kind of weird. And the thing that the, all the all the facts that you presented, I think, are, are very at, on the top of the top of the mind of anybody who ever thinks about golf clubs, because the two things that you just pointed out. Most amateurs, uh, unless there is a real good single digit player and they play all the time, most amateurs, when they go to hit a wedge shot for whatever reason, they skull it or they send it flying over the green. This doesn't happen every time, but the big thing that you said is they're inconsistent with their distance and they're inconsistent with the spin. And I think that's something that, you know, is hampers all amateur players. I mean, it hampers me sometimes and I'm not a bad wedge player, Um, but it, it does, it does do that. And I've got, I've got some Hogan wedges and I've got some Vokey wedges and I've got some Cobra wedges and I've got all kinds of stuff, not as many as you. And uh, I like, I like them all, but it's just, i maybe I just need to play more. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, Terry, but I'm I'm looking at the Edison wedges now and I'm thinking maybe that is the answer. Um, well,
1: if, if you look at golf club performance, you know, we, every golf club out there from driver to irons, has the technology has been driven by one goal and one goal only, and that is forgiveness. And if you're playing a modern iron, a modern driver, a hybrid, we know that from robotic testing, a half-inch miss is only going to cost you two to five percent of your distance. Well, on a wedge, a half-inch miss high in the face can cost you 15 to 20 percent of your distance. Right. Why is that acceptable? That's kind of my driving question. Why should I accept that finickiness, if you will, in my wedges when I won't accept it in an iron? I mean, I tell you on robotic testing, a pure muscle back forged iron pitching wedge is more than twice as forgiving as any what I call tour design wedge on the market. Pick the brand. I don't care any of the top brands. They all look alike. If you... Go down the wedge display in a retail store and you look at brand A, brand B, brand C, and you kind of let yourself just strip away the graphics and the finish on the golf club. And look at the way the weight is positioned on the golf club. They're all the same golf club.
0: We got to take a break for time, and we'll be back in a couple of minutes with Terry Kaler, uh, Edison Wedges, and you're listening to Grilling at the Green on AM860 and the Golf News Network. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Don't forget our friends down at Langdon Farms Grill Friday night. The restaurants are open again. You can get in there and get some of their prime rib. Uh, And you can follow us on Facebook, uh, Twitter. All the platforms were there. If you want to email us, it's pretty easy. Just go info at grilling at the green dot net. We're t- talking with Terry Kaler today. Terry, uh, it was just explaining the difference in the weight and the wedges. So let's break it down a little more in in layman's terms, because I'm a pretty simple guy, Terry. When well, you're talking about redistributing the weight, especially in grams, in the weight of a the wedge head. Um, how do you determine what the actual weight should be? How do you go through that process and say, should it be 30 grams? Should it be 16 grams? Should it be 45 grams? How do you determine that?
1: Well, you know, let's say we're talking a conventional sandwich, 35 and a half inches. We know that head needs to weigh about 300 grams to give us the swing weight we're after. Sure. So you have 300 grams. Well, you know, you don't, I mean, some of that, the bulk of it is to get the, you know, you got a hosel, you got a face, and you got a sole that has to have enough width to work. And then, you know, the rest of it is where you put all the mass. And so what we did is just kept moving weight in prototypes higher and higher up into the back of the golf club until we got the performance we wanted. And part of that is re engineering the sole. I created a sole design uh, in 1990 that I received a patent on. The only sole out there that we put two different bounce angles in the sole, a distinctly high bounce in the first third of an inch, and then a distinctly low bounce in the back part of the. And most wedge companies, that's all they talk about is sole grinds. But for a tour player who has extraordinary feel, they can tell the difference from one grind to another. Recreational golfers don't take the same divot every time. No. We don't play the same kind of turf all the time. The bunker sand changes from two places in the same bunker, from bunker to bunker, from course to course, the tour players get to play the same sand every week pretty much. So, you know, they, they, these guys are most finely honed skills out there. Um, And and where they differ from us mostly is in the short game. And and they're maddening to work with because they're so talented. They (laughs) feel things in a golf glove you can hardly measure. And so, but, but going back to, it's about moving mass around and, and, the laws of golf club physics are really pretty simple. So let's look at our drivers. We have had, I mean, the driver companies are all pursuing high launch and a low spin, right? Right. That's the Holy grail of getting a good distance, high launch and a low spin. And they've done that by getting more and more of that. You know, a driver head has to weigh about 200 grams to give you the right swing weight. So they're going to carbon fiber crowns and thinner walls and, they want to get as much of the weight in that driver as low as possible because that launches the ball high with minimal spin. Now, knowing that, where is all the weight in the wedge? It's on the very bottom. So by design, if you forget the fact it's already got 55 or 60 degrees aloft, by design, when you get all the mass of the club below the point of impact, the ball's going to launch high with minimal spin. So the club in our bag that we want to launch lower with a lot of spin it's actually designed to launch high with minimal spin. Well, that doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? Not really. <laughs> but that's <laughs> what it is. Now, why is that? I have a theory about that, and this might entertain your listeners. Big companies talk about how their wedges are tour approved, you know, tour validated. They build them with the tour player. So let's take Justin Thomas. He seems like a nice kid, very talented. Let's take him as a as a case study. His dad was a golf pro. He'd been a staffer from one of the major companies forever. His granddad's a golf pro. So little Justin at eight years old says, I want to be a tour player. And little Justin starts spending all his time around the practice screen and the short game area with his, you know, brand A wedges that dad gets free. And when he wears the face out, he gets some new ones. And from model to model to model, as Justin grows up, he's giving giving the same golf club with new graphics on it. So he is honing these skills of touch and feel without a big change in his golf club. If I went to to Justin Thomas and gave him a club that launched differently, spun differently, felt different, I would negate a lifetime of short game practice. But he can't afford that to happen. So he doesn't want his sponsor to dramatically change his wedges, but he wants his sponsor to dramatically improve his driver and his irons and maybe his putter. So as a result, I think one of the big contributors to the lack of evolution in wedges is that everybody's building wedges for these elite 100 players, 200, 300 tour professionals, which is kind of interesting when you think about it. There are 3,000 Major League Baseball players, and there are 200 Major League golfers. (laughs) Pretty
0: interesting. Yeah. (coughs) Well, there used to be a, a radio commercial up here, and and I don't know if they played it in Texas. But there was a guy, that, you know, they were on the green, <clears throat> excuse me, on the T, and he, and he paces his drive, and he goes, hey, he goes, I'm thinking about uh, trying out for the tour. And of course, the announcer says, don't do that, Jerry, because you're going to get your lunch handed to you and all this stuff. It was a funny commercial. But if you think about that, there was some truth to it for the simple fact that we see these guys, the Justin Thomas, the uh, DJs, uh, Patrick Reed, whoever, and they just pound that ball out there. We can't do that. Um, You know, you might on a, a day if a hurricane wind is behind you or something like that, but... You're not going to hit it like those guys because you don't spend eight hours a day on the on the practice tee. You don't do that. And you haven't done it since you were a little kid type thing, just as you pointed out. So I I think it's, you know, part of it is is marketing that if you buy our club, you can hit it closer to like Justin Thomas does. But on the other hand, the reality is that's probably not going to happen. You know, and I would think it's the same way with wedges, because as you pointed out in your story, your analogy with Justin Thomas, he spent time after school every day and the summer times all day long with his dad out there on the golf course, practicing, practicing, doing this, doing that. And he probably got a lot of tips, not only from his dad, but from, you know, his grandpa or maybe the Titleist rep or whoever it was that was that came through town like that he was in a very unique position jeff tracy not so much i was hitting balls in a cow pasture um for a long time and it didn't work anyway running out of time for this segment terry and i are going to be back in just a minute don't go away you're listening to grilling at the green Hey, it's JT, and this part of Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Ben Hogan Golf. Check them out online at BenHoganGolf.com. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green here on AM860, The Answer. I'm Jeff Tracy, your host. I want to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef the way na- nature intended, and also Ben Hogan Golf. Tour Quality Clubs at Factory Direct Prices. That's BenHoganGolf.com. We're talking with uh, Terry Kaler from Edison Wedges here. We were talking off the air, and you made a really good point there, Terry, about you were talking about the sales of, you know, seven, eight million drivers a year and this and that, but we only sell a million wedges and why their, you know, why their game doesn't get better. uh I think just my observation, and you know, years and years of playing golf with people, people are uh, hesitant around the green because they're inconsistent and they're not sure where the hell the ball's going to go. But like you were saying off the air, the the technology and drivers and mid irons and fairways and all that stuff that is that is out there. It's pushing it every year. It's development changing, but it's not so much in the wedges. So maybe we should stop and think a little bit about our our short game, because as you pointed out too, the the main difference between the amateur golfer, besides a few of them uh, off the tee, is the you know hundred yards in, and point in case case in point I should say, Tiger Woods, I'm a fan of, always was a fan of his you know his exactness on the course and all that, but. He had a hell of a short game, Uh, still does from the last time we saw him play. I hope he gets to come back and play again. But the point is, uh, and when we were talking about stuff earlier in the show, when you were talking about the feel, Tiger always said he was a feel player. And when he was trying out clubs, he could tell the difference between, you know, maybe three, four grams of weight, which is nothing to the, you know, I can't tell the difference between three and four grams of weight in a club. He could. So give us your thoughts on, on that on that aspect.
1: Well, I'm a big proponent of teeing it forward. And if there are no tees where you need to play that hole from, just go up in the fairway. The, the golf course, if you look at the PGA Tour, they play their golf courses with four, you know three or four reachable par fives, most of them with a middle iron, usually one drivable par four, so four to five times around, twenty times a tournament, they are chipping or putting at eagle. How often do you chip or putt at eagle? Never, rarely. So, and and of the other holes they play, they play two thirds to three fourths of them with a nine iron or less. So, you know, golf is not a game that's supposed to be played where you can't get home with your two best shots on a par four hole where you can't reach the green with a three-wood on a par three. It's not supposed to be that long. So play the set of tees that let you hit approach shots to the hole, not two woods to try to get close to the green. That's first thing. But second thing is, if you take the strength differential out, the best guys in the world are hitting 12, 13 greens around, Best in the world. And that's hitting wedges and par fives and two. Most amateur golfers were hitting five to six green, which makes you half as good as a tour player. Right. Now you think about that, but you're shooting 88 and they're shooting 68 and you're half as good as them from tee to green. Wow. That's kind of interesting to think about, <laughs> but when you miss your 14 greens around, you play those holes 12 to 15 over par. When they miss six greens around, they play those holes one over par.
0: Maybe, maybe. So, yeah,
1: but, but they, they're that good because they spend countless hours. And a tour player around the greens, if you watch them any week, you just see shot after shot after shot, miraculous recoveries. I mean, they're in a bunker. They're thinking about holding it. They're within 15 yards of the green. They're thinking about holding that shot. And very rarely do they hit those shots outside of 8 or 10, 12 feet. And most of the time, it's inside of 6. Which is why they and they do that because they have spent so many countless hours with wedges in their hand. They know how to carry the ball on a given trajectory with a given amount of spin to land at a given spot twenty six feet from there. That's how precise they are. They don't hit it three feet from the hole. Because they get lucky. They hit it three feet from the hole because they know this shot has to be launched a little lower with this amount of spin and land exactly at that spot on the green. And they can do that time and time again. And 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 that's how they shoot 18, 20, 24 under every week. Because they're gonna miss in four rounds of golf, they're gonna miss twenty or twenty-five greens, and they're gonna they're gonna play those holes even par or one or two over. You know, and and that's where they differ the most from us because they have the time and we don't. So I'm a big believer that wedges are by nature. If you think about your wedges, you've got 50, 55, 60 degrees aloft. loft. It is a glancing blow. Well, that's, And a 7-iron is a pretty direct blow. And you're pretty consistent with your 7-iron on getting the ball to go forward and fly a certain way. But the wedge is a glancing blow. So any error you make is magnified with the wedge. And so by nature, they're the hardest clubs in the bag to master. And, you know, I would tell all of your listeners, for every driver you hit on the range, hit 50 wedge shots of all different distances. For every seven iron you hit on the range, hit 50 wedge shots of all different distances. The only way to get to be a really good wedge player But if you're doing it with tour design wedges, you still have a golf club that was designed in the 1950s, and it's got 2021 graphics on it.
0: You know, it's kind of like Harvey Pennick pointed out in his little red book and then the green book after that. that, uh, And I had a friend tell me this years ago. He said, if you start at the green and work backwards, he said, and you can master it in that way, he said, you'll be a pretty decent player. But it's it's too much fun to get out there on the driving range and, you you know, you've got a, you know, the Harley Davidson model of the latest uh, driver and you can smash it out there. That's fun. I mean, it is fun, you know, to, to see how far you can hit it and how high you can hit it and that type of thing. But when it comes down to the precision, like you were saying on hitting your wedges and stuff, people don't practice that as much. And so, because it's not as exciting. Well, except for except for the point when you get out on the course and you're playing and you've got a a thirty footer to <clears throat> to get it on the green, and then you scull it, then it can be really exciting, but not in a good way. <laughs> well, you know, I'll contrast
1: today's game with I told you about growing up on a little nine hole golf course. Sure. there weren't any bunkers on the golf course, and it was just a little nine hole course, and we learned the game from the green backwards because putting is the easiest part of golf. I mean, you've got this club, you're standing close to the ball you're only taking it back six or eight inches. And that's an easy thing to teach a little kid to put. And then chipping is the next easiest thing to learn because it's like putting with just a different club in your hand. And the further you get from the hole, the harder the game got. And again, this is the fifties and sixties mastering that persimmon driver. That was the hardest part of the game. The modern game has gone 180 degrees. Now fairways are the same width. You got a tee to put the ball on and the driver is the size of a watermelon. I mean, it's pretty hard to whip it or miss it. <laughs> and if you miss the sweet spot, a half an inch, you get 95% of your yardage. That's the easiest part of the game is, is driving.
0: Wow. And
1: irons is the second easiest part of the game, hitting seven irons and five irons. And that's the second easiest part of the game. You got a nice game room at club and, Pitching and putting, greenside and scoring, is now the hardest part of the game because the greens are diabolically firm and fast in most courses. And your greens are bunkered. You know, you got sure. maybe have rough around the green. And I think golf is going in the wrong direction because everybody wants these tour speed greens. And I can take a beginner and I can show them how to make solid contact with an iron and a driver and a fairway wood pretty quickly. But the only way to become a good putter and a good short game practitioner is time. There are no shortcuts. You have to have a good golf club in your hand. Yes. But you have got to spend countless hours to learn how to manage these diabolical greens. And I think it's, I I, I mean, I looked at our high school players and when I was in high school, you had to be able to shoot in the seventies to make the golf team in a town of 7,000 people. Now, In a neighboring town of 60,000 people with three high schools, there's two kids in town that can shoot in the 70s. Are they not as skillful? Are they better athletes than we were? we were all the geeks that, you know, ended up on the golf team back then. Now, talking about (laughs) Dustin Johnson, these guys, Tiger Woods, they're all like finely tuned athletes. But But in the high school ranks, these kids all can hit the ball long. And they can reasonably control it, but there are no shortcuts to learning how to deal with these diabolical greens that we all have now.
0: Uh, We're going to take a break here on Grilling at the Green. I'm going to be back with Terry Kaler from Edison Golf in just a few minutes. Don't go away. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green grilling at the green is brought to you in part by painted hills natural beef beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends that's painted hills natural beef welcome back to uh, grilling at the green i'm jt uh we're talking with terry Kaylor today from edison wedges so let's get this is a little shorter segment, Terry. So let's get a little historical stuff on Edison. After you went through these other companies and helped them and did that and the d- design and that, how did you come up and say, wow, I'm going to do Edison. I'm going to do this. I'm going to put this together so and I make started, this work.
1: I, I, I started writing my blog again as the wedge guy that publishes on golfwrx.com. And I, and they asked me if I'd write my weekly blog again. And I always love sharing my knowledge. I mean, I've, have learned so much in my 40-year golf career. I mean, I'm anxious and happy to share it with anybody. I don't want to die with all this knowledge. And So I started writing my blog again. Well, very quickly, I built the following over the years with all these wedges I've done. And I had people saying, when are you going to do wedges again? And I couldn't come up with a good reason not to. I certainly wasn't finished with my ideas. And so I recruited a longtime industry friend of mine and and uh, started working on wedge designs and working with my CAD designer. and. And uh, I said I'm going to push the envelope further than I ever have, and um, and so over a course of a two-year period, we went through a number of prototypes. We developed some 3D manufacturing technologies which we filed a patent on, and um, and we came up with the Edison forged as the line, and um, and and my friend is an engineer. He's our chief operating officer. He's an engineer by. Uh, by trade. And, and, uh, um, and so, you know, we were working through various, uh, names for the company and, and Thomas Edison was always an inspiration to him. And so, you know, we looked around, we did name searches and this kind of thing, and, um, you know, kind of settled on that. And, and one of the things that, that he, um, that he liked, and he's a big Thomas Edison fan, but Thomas Edison had a quote that we actually have it on our website, and it says, when you have exhausted all possibilities, remember this, you haven't.
0: (laughs) True. Very true. So
1: it it really applies to what we're doing at Edison because our wedges don't look like anybody else's wedges, but that ping answer didn't look like anybody else's putter that tailor made metal wood didn't look like any persimmon wood. That big Bertha didn't look like anybody else's metal wood. That great big Bertha, that ping I2 iron didn't look like anybody else's iron. And I, I use the old insanity thing you know, you're buying the same wedges over and over and over with different graphics, different brand names, which are getting the same basic golf club. Well, you're not going to get different performance by changing the graphics on the back of the golf club. You've got to change the golf club. And in a golf club, what makes it perform is the distribution of mass and if you put it around the perimeter of an iron it's more forgiving than if you muscle back it across the back and if you make the make the the uh, the driver you know 460 cc's perimeter weighted it's going to perform better than one that's 260 cc's perimeter weighted so and you make the big spaceship mallet putter it's going to be more forgiving than a bullseye blade so where you put the weight in a golf club is crucial to how that club is going to perform. And we've just moved the weight around on a wedge radically differently than anybody else ever has. And so we've radically improved performance.
0: I got to tell you, you talking about, about that spaceship size putter. I've got one like that. Most of mine are Answers styles. <clears throat> and I went out and I thought, wow, because I've got a couple of friends that have those mallet head things and and they do pretty good with them i went out and tried to play a couple rounds with it and no it just wasn't for me so it went in the i won't say the putter hall of fame at my house but it went in the putter corner how's that yeah and it's we all
1: have a putter corner or barrel or corner of our garage or something don't we
0: yeah yeah always
1: always looking for the magic flat stick
0: (laughs) You know, and and I think that the answer would be get your butt out there and just practice with it a bunch. You know,
1: I, tell you, I think the best 30 or $40 a golfer can spend if you have a space to put it.
0: Uh, we are out of time, but Terry is going to stick around for after hours. Real quickly, Terry, how can they find you and how can they get uh, if they're interested in Edison Wedge?
1: We're at EdisonWedges.com. And they can read all about this technology. It's a very informative website because I think the more you know about wedges, the more you understand why we did what we did and what it does for you. And we have a custom demo program. We'll build you a wedge, let you try it out on your golf course with your shaft, your specs. And if you don't like it, send it back. I don't want I don't want you to be unhappy with a wedge. And if you do like it, then we'd like to put two or three more in your bag. But you know, we'll build you one to try because you have to try a wedge on the golf course. You can't do it in the mat or hitting net. You sure. got to go hit those little chips and pitches and forty yard pitches and full swings and let us build you one.
0: There you go, Terry uh, Col- Kayler, Excuse me, Kaler from uh, Edison Wedges. Thanks for being with us. He'll be around, like I said, for after hours. That's going to wrap it up this week. Have fun, everybody. Be good and enjoy the nice weather. Take care.
1: Grilling at the Green is produced by JTSD Productions LLC in association with Salem Media Group. All rights reserved.